Welcome back to episode 81 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all that's happening in hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski, Scott Harrington, and producer Dan Humphrey. We are a loaded staff today. First time in a long time, guys. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content, adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project. Keep developing your game this summer with youth camps and off-season training. Go to www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn more. Well, our last episode was a very special one as we talked to two brothers from Strongsville, the Duke boys. I thought it was kind of interesting that we played the Dukes of Hazard theme song. That was really good, Danny. Uh, thank you for doing that. Um, who's, whose idea was that, Scott? But I don't think any, very many people uh, probably recognize what it was. Well, I know, but I thought it was quite interesting. People, uh, of, our, people of our age. Right. Yeah, they got it. Both of them went through the U.S. National De- uh, Team Development Program and have played on Team USA at various international tournaments. Older brother Dylan was drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2021 and currently stars at the University of Michigan, while a younger brother Tyler uh, is up for the NHL draft next week and will be going to the Ohio State University in the fall. I talked to a lot of people that listened to it and they said they were kind of uh, shocked that there wasn't any more bantering between the two brothers, one Michigan, one Ohio state. Uh, Yeah, that was a little subdued. You're right. I don't know if they want to get, don't want to get radioed or however you call it, you know, when they uh, run their mouth and then things don't go the right way. It's called karma. Yeah. Right. But uh, I'm sure they'll, there'll be plenty of talking uh, after the games. Right. When talking about talking to them about well, how are your parents going to root for you during that weekend or during that, that's going to be, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Although they supported uh, Dylan last year, right. Cause he's a year ahead. Sure. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll support Tyler this time. Well, this week we were thrilled to have head coach of the pseudo walleye, Dan Watson here in studio with us. Hi, Dan. How you guys doing? Doing wonderful. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, and we're going to talk about a thrilling run in the East coast hockey league's Kelly cup finals this season, the success the team has had over the past five season while he's been at the helm. And we also take a look uh, forward for Dan and the team with some help from his assistant coach, Alden Hirschfeld, who started Sylvania Northview, then Miami University, as well as five seasons with the walleye. That's going to be a great conversation. Dan, thanks again for joining us in studio. We will get to the news in a bit, and we'd like for you to jump in on that as well. Um, but before we do that, uh, what's up with the boys? Lev, welcome back. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Find long, the place okay? Long-time listener, first-time caller. Whoa. It's hotter than Hades in here, apparently a couple weeks away, and you guys don't pay the bills. <laughs> well, you got to talk to management about it's, that. It's, it's too bright in here, too. It's like, it's like being outside. It's good to be back. Good to see you guys. What well, the hell you been doing? Well, you know, a little of this, a little of that. I, I happened to jump on last week, and, you know, management apparently didn't want me on, so he told it's producer Dan to mute me. Awfully nice as I was sitting at the baseball well, field. No, I just been well. No, we thought joke. that was funny. Yeah, we thought you were gonna uh, we thought, you were gonna jump on, but you then clicked right off. Hey, my kid was up to bat. What do you want me to do? <laughs> T ball. Yeah, no, no, no. We're we're in coach pitch now. It's a whole new element. It's fantastic. Did you, you guys see the thing on? Uh, I think it was Barstool or whatever, and the, the caption was just complete chaos. And it was a T ball kid. He hit the ball, spun around three times, ran to third. Everyone ran to the ball. He then started running across the, the mound and they threw the ball to first base, hit the kid, hit a kid in the head. The kid dropped like he got shot and the caption was complete chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, truth. I mean, we had 
our uh, Friday night, we had our uh, game, our ceremonial game under the lights and good God. All right. So one kid hit the ball and they told him, you know, as he's running to first, they said, go to second. So he just didn't touch first and ran to second. Then we had the one kid who, uh, his family's not listening. So I can say this one out loud, no matter what happens, you know, they bat through the lineup and then the next team comes up to bat. So the kid is the last batter. And no matter safer out, we're changing sides. And he starts crying. He said, I don't want to be the last batter. I said, okay, well, good news. Uh, you're up first next inning. So next inning comes, he gets to first. He's happy. I mean, he's jumping up and down. Gets the second, jumping up and down. Gets forced out at third, cries from third base into the dugout. I'm like, you got to be kidding me with this kid. Nah, it gets better because they, they rotate positions too. So he was playing outfield in the first inning. He was a second baseman in the second inning. Does not want to play outfield. Made that known. Unfortunately, coach wanted him out in the outfield. So he cried and he looked at me and he said, what time is it? And I said, it's almost 10 o'clock at night. He goes, I just want to go home. <laughs> I'm like, you and me both, buddy. Right you and me both. Yeah. Hey, let's go. I got one foot out the door too. I remember this and I can tell this because Dan's in the room. Dan, do you remember this one? Uh, so Dan's daughters and I, his daughter and I, my daughter grew up together and remember the first track meet when they ran, when they had it past the baton, but they all kept running. Oh yeah, dude. So <laughs> they, so I think my daughter had like the, the start. Right. And so she, she runs 200 meters or whatever it is, literally hands the baton to Dan's daughter and the two of them are running with each other <laughs> down the track. And then his daughter hands the baton on. And now there's three of them running down. We're like, what the hell is going on here? I'll never forget that. That was great. It's the wind resistance or dragging. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Scott, how you been? You've been good. I tell you what, you're into me for another pie. I am. What was I don't even remember what we bet. What was it was I, I I bet uh Tampa Bay that night. All right. So we'll we'll uh, you know what? We'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Get a payment plan. Do you, do you win? I'll, do you I'll win your do you win your fantasy league at all? Because you've lost yeah. two bets to a guy uh, that doesn't. Yeah, no, I'm I'm terrible at, at gambling. And uh, I've won two in a row from you. So that means you are yeah. real bad. It's funny though. I, I've made, I don't know how many bets with my boss in the last five years. I've never lost to that. I mean, it's in the double, you know, 12, 15. It was like, it was like so. four to one. I just sent out a, a text of a pizza. I'm like, I got you again, man. Yeah, I got you again. So wow. Danny, how you been brother? Uh, you know, not too bad. We uh, got some garlic at home going. Hanging currently in the basement. Denise says I'm stinking up the whole house, but I think we're doing okay. Got how many? Some how many heads? Uh, I think right now I got ten down there, and then I still probably got another eight sitting in the ground. Keeps the vampires away, Danny. You're good, dude. It's good. I put it up yesterday and some Brussels sprouts. It's phenomenal. I, keep, I think I heard it keeps the storms away too. <laughs> oh, it encourages bad weather. <laughs> Apparently. Oh. So. But, that's pretty much it. Very good. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I only have uh, four hanging right now, Danny. I got like seven right in the ground that I have to. I'll tell you what, those things are hard to get out of the ground, aren't they? Yeah. Boy, and you know you got to dig them out. You can't just pull them out. Well, yeah, I learned the hard way last year. But, yeah, I been, I was digging. So, but we did. I did cook a uh, little caveman style yesterday when I got home and uh, was cooking. I used some garlic. Uh, what do they call those things? The, the the tops of them, the, the scrapes, the scalps, scapes, whatever they are. It was a good little touch. It was a good little touch. Well, we have uh, Dan Watson in with us, the uh, head coach of the Tito Walleye. We're going to run 
through some news. But Dan, you're going to join us on the news here. Feel free to jump in whenever. All right. Uh, we're going to talk a few things here. Then we're going to get to Dan, talk about his great season. Um, and his assistant coach, Alden Hirschfeld, is going to join us as well. So, again, thanks for joining us, Dan. And we're going to get rolling with the news. Let's see what's in the news of the Ohio Hockey Digest. A few weeks back, we talked to Bob Krasky about the four players from his Cleveland Barons U15 team that were selected in the 2022 OHL draft. Well, one of those players, A.J. Spellacy, had five NCAA Division I football offers on the table, but he signed a contract with the Windsor Spitfire, which selected him in the third round. Spellacy told the Windsor Star, I'll miss football a little, but I'm focused on hockey. Thought about it for a long time. It was pretty easy once I got all the information. Which one I love and what want to take further, and that was hockey. At least the one OHL team has expressed an interest in selecting Spellacy in the first round of the draft if he would have made the commitment earlier, but he did not want to make his mind up at that time. What's your thoughts? Dan, what's your thoughts? This guy, you're, you're obviously, uh, you know the OHL. Oh, yeah. Um, and this young man had an opportunity. Well, he has an opportunity and he walked away from five division one football scholarships to go play in the, Oh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, you know what? Everyone's different. Uh, you know, several moons ago is in that same situation. Uh, obviously it's hockey, not two, two sports, but it was an NCAA with Colgate or go to the OHL with Sarnia. I was drafted in the seventh round. Uh, and just, I made that decision to go play in the OHL and, uh, it's different now. There are no really school packages back when I played. Now they're offering school packages. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, if you want to go play in the OHL, make sure you're getting taken care of afterwards, whether that's school in, in, in Canada or school in the U.S. And they have that option, I believe, to pay for both. Um, with that said, it's one of those things that if he loves hockey that much, you better go play and, and do a good job. Obviously, being a, a high pick like he was, I think there's probably going to be, um, you know, some opportunity to play and not sit in the stands, which is another thing that you want. But when there's a great, uh, great organization, my uh, assistant coach from previous Andy Delmore is there now. Uh, they run a top notch, uh, first class, very professional. Uh, he's going to learn a ton and develop a ton. So I hope he goes there and it's a great experience for him. That's, that's something you want to hear is, is kids getting and jumping up to that next opportunity is 15 rising 16 years old. Is that too young to move away from home? Yeah. Okay. I, I think you need, I think you need to be 16 turning 17 gotcha. to be honest with you. Okay. It's uh driver's license, all that fun stuff. You need to be independent at times. And, and, you know, when you're 15, you're still probably leaning on your parents. So, um, with that said, though, I know I know junior teams do a great job with land parents and billets, and as long as you're put in a good spot, you know you can have success. I also wonder if he really hadn't made his mind up, because you see, well, you see London do that all the time, especially if everybody knows he's got football offers. Now nah, I'm going to go play football. I'm going to play football, and then you tell Windsor, hey. Yeah, but they, I mean, someone said they were going to take him in the first round. So, right, it, but he told him he wasn't. He wouldn't make. He wouldn't. He hadn't made his mind up yet. I'm so are you saying he did that so he could go to a different team? That's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it certainly happens. Okay. 100%. Does it really? Oh, yeah. It's that. They team. usually end up in London, though. Yeah. Teams aren't going to waste uh, yeah. high picks if, if you're not committed. Uh, but teams will go out on a limb and take uh, anywhere from, uh, you know, third to seventh, eighth rounder in that to, to hopefully lure a guy there. Business. Sticking with the OHL, Erie Otters goaltender Nolan Lalonde, who hopes to hear his name called during next week's NHL entry draft, was named first-team All-Rookie by the Ontario Hockey League. Lalonde was third-round pick by the Otters in 2020. 
He came to training camp fighting for the backup spot, but ended up starting 54 of Erie's 68 games. Forward, excuse me, forward Conlon Keenan has agreed to terms with Toledo Walleye for the 2022-23 season. He was the only Walleye player to skate in all 72 regular season games. He finished with 13 goals, 20 assists, and led all ECHL skaters with a plus 13 rating in the month of January. Does anybody in the room have any thoughts on this announcement? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know him at all. <laughs> Here's what I can tell you. If a guy plays 72 games in our league, he's a warrior. Yeah. And that's certainly what Conlon is. But he's detailed. He's got great habits. He's unbelievable in the room. Everything you want in a hockey player and a person, that's that's Conlon. And so that's why he's, he's going to be part of our leadership group this year. And uh, you know, he's, he's a huge asset for us. I thought that was uh, done pretty well. Anyone in the room have anything in common? Lev, Lev looks straight down at the at the floor like when he was in high school again, getting called on to read. No, no I didn't read the book. <laughs> Tri-State Spartans shared the fact that former player Braden Lewis has been diagnosed with an aggressive form of brain cancer. Jeffrey Wharton has set up a Braden Lewis versus cancer page at www.gofundme.com where you can learn more about Braden and make a donation that will go to cover travel costs, additional medical treatment, clinical trials, and or last-minute appointments they will need to attend uh, to make to ensure Braden receives the best care. Barry Trotz said thanks, but no thanks, to the prospect of coaching the Winnipeg Jets in his home province of Manitoba. It seemed like a match made in heaven, but after weeks of speculation, Trotz told the team on Friday that he'll be taking a year off from coaching. And Scott, your thoughts? I know you're a big Barry Trotz fan. I would be concerned... Uh, well, you mentioned fantasy hockey. My goalie plays for the Jets, so I was really excited to have Barry Trotz go to coach the Jets. I would be concerned that that's two guys that decided they didn't want to coach the Winnipeg Jets in the last couple of months. Between Paul Maurice now and Barry Trotz, that's his home, I guess. So it was seemed like his dad is still there. Yeah, and all, in Thank the meantime, you, while while he was doing that, there were three other guys who got uh, taken off the board, you know, and hired you know by other teams that the jets could have hired so dan know. i want to ask you this question and it's probably going to be a horrible question and i apologize <laughs> but we've we've known each other a little bit so you're used to this what are what as a head coach and you're looking at other options maybe say what are pros and cons what what, what would and i understand the family concept yep. and, and barry's been going strong for many years now and maybe just needs a true break yep. what are the pros and cons of selecting your next town, well, your next team to, to coach for. I think for him, he's in a position he probably wants to win, you know, and, and who knows how many coaching years he has left as you read all the media and the news articles about him and, um, you know, and, and maybe he didn't feel that was the right mm -hmm. fit right now. Uh, there's also talks about him potentially looking at management. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's another organization that's going to offer that potentially. So I think there's a different situation for every guy, but a, a guy like Barry who's been around extremely well-respected, um, he, he has those options to say no and yeah. yes to whatever he wants to. And so, um, you know, I, I think he'll be back into hockey. I don't know if he'll take that full year off or not. Um, but he'll be back into it and, and whoever he chooses to be with, because it will be his choice at that time. They're going to be lucky to have him. Cause I think he's unbelievable. Do you think guys just get mad that they're going to somewhere cold and Paul Maurice, you know, hit a home run by going to Florida. That's why, I mean, truth Total. be told, let's, let's be real. Why Paul Maurice went out of Manitoba or out of Winnipeg, which is Manitoba, because it was cold. 
he wanted to go to Florida, obviously it worked out well for him. Right. Two total opposite ends of spectrum there, huh? <laughs> Couldn't get further from each other, but, uh, I, I, Hey, I've been to Winnipeg. I've played in that arena. Uh, I know what it's like there, the atmosphere, all that kind of stuff. It is awesome. Uh, but again, it, it, it's a tough place to play in terms of the weather in terms of everything. And so it's important for a coach that goes there. He's got to be all in. And how much does the, the, I mean, the Canadian market matter mm-hmm. because there, there's a, a boatload more coverage in Canada of the Canadian teams than there is anywhere else in the world or in, the, in North America. So does that play ever? I mean, I was watching a, a thing where they were talking about uh, Austin Matthews has like two years left on his deal. And there's speculation that he's gone. Get out of that market because it just it's wears hard. you down. It's hard. It's it's the, the pressure. You're always under the microscope, no matter whether you're in the arena, at the grocery store, wherever you're at. You're always, especially in a, in a market like Winnipeg, too. It's a smaller market. So you're recognized and you are under that microscope all the time. And maybe, uh, you know, I, I, I can see why guys leave those types of markets for sure. But with that said, you got to be able to handle the pressure, your professional athlete or coach, whatever it is. You got to thrive in those situations, too. Well, since we're talking about the NHL, uh, uh, the Stanley Cup was awarded last night. Um, the Avs closed the deal uh, with a road win in game six. I think in the last 40 years, I've seen the Stanley Cup awarded, you know, brought out 38 times. I actually didn't see it last night. I went to sleep. Uh, they, I think they... Uh, you missed a good thing. <laughs> I thought they... Um, I think they had it for three minutes and they dented it. Did you see this? I oh, saw the team it. I saw it. Did you see the guy Topic? Dude, he totally <laughs> Topic right into the group. Dented the cup. Fantastic. It was great, man. With a picture that they showed uh, on a couple of the threads, like all the guys' faces were just like, <laughs> it was amazing. So that's for Jared Bednar. He won uh, Kelly Cup with South Carolina. Then he coached the Cleveland Monsters to the Calder Cup championship. And now he's won the Stanley Cup with the Avalanche. So he's the first coach to do that. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, very impressive. Very impressive. I got to say for, you know, obviously they say the Stanley Cup's the hardest trophy to win in all of team sports. And I firmly agree that with that. And and I love the fact that nobody gets to touch it until you win it. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen other sports and, and I'm not a football fan, but everyone and their brother's touching it on the way to it being presented. And I think there's just this special aura of the, of the Stanley Cup, regardless if it got dented or not. They earned the right to dent the damn thing. It's fine. They'll fix it. There's like three of them. We'll be okay. But I, I just thought for winning it on the road, I thought that the uh, Tampa fans were, were pretty cordial about the whole situation, which, you know, they would be. And all the interviews post, I mean, every single guy, and, and I'm not joking, every single guy they interviewed did not talk about himself. And that's a beautiful thing, and that's why hockey's fantastic. I do have one thing to say about it, though, and this is not – why was she wearing a mask at certain times interviewing people and then a mask not like season's th- over oh, oh okay okay all right i just didn't understand that it was it was confusing to me if she interviewed before the or, or, during the game or before there's a threat of an, a game seven absolutely they know there's no game seven she's going home for 14 days anyways and before we move on to the next uh do we have any college commitments to announce uh maybe girls volleyball oh scotty scott yeah, I was excited. My daughter, uh, Grace, senior, uh, committed to Muskingum University to play some volleyball. And, and, but most importantly, uh, uh, her education. It's a great school. Uh, very proud of her and, and the work that she's put in and, and looking forward to uh, watching her 
grow there. So thank you, Scott. Appreciate that. Hey, did she have to work last night, yesterday? No, she, we were down there all day and then she came home. She's dog sitting for Coach Marshall. Okay, so I had sent her a message that congratulations, you know, very proud of you, happy for you. And I get your butt to work. And she goes, I'm on my way to work. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't mean like go to your physical job. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Thank everybody for that. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by Athletic Performance Insight. API is easy to use, affordable technology, designed specifically for amateur hockey, provides every team the opportunity to benefit from video and analytics. Teams use the API app to track events in real time. Event data is used to generate reports and simplify video review. Athletic Performance Insight, amateur hockey, elite technology, professional results. Go to athleticperformance.com today to learn more about this tool and view a demo. Welcome back. I want to remind our live audience, one of you, if you have any questions or comments, please type those in the chat. And if an opportunity presents itself, producer Dan Humphrey will put you on with us. Toledo Walleye head coach Dan Watson join us fresh off the team's thrilling run in the East Coast Hockey League's Kelly Cup final. The former Toledo Storm defenseman transitioned into coaching with the Walleye and has accumulated a 347-227-93 record since being elevated to head coach in July of 2016. Watson played seven professional seasons in the HL, UHL, and East Coast Hockey League and was named to the 2004-05 East Coast Hockey League Defensive Player of the Year with the Long Beach Ice Dogs. Also joining us, Sylvania, Ohio native Alden Hirschfeld was named Mr. Ohio Hockey in 2006 after leading Northview High School to the state championship game. He went on to play college hockey at Miami of Ohio, playing in the NCAA title game as a freshman and being named team captain as a senior. He played 200 career games with the walleye scoring 59 goals 94 assists and now serves as an assistant coach please welcome on air head coach dan watson and assistant coach alden hirschfeld welcome guys thanks for having us welcome alden yeah thank you thank you very much i appreciate it so uh dan let's get started with you we're going to talk a little bit about uh, this season uh but let's talk about the level of sustained success that you and the Toledo walleye have had uh, since you've taken over, aggregated 700 winning percentage over the last seven years, won 50 games each of your first two years as head coach, and you've had uh, a couple runs in the in the Kelly Cup final. Let's talk about the 2019 Kelly Cup final. Were lessons learned on that run, and how did you apply them in this run? Yeah, there's always. I mean, when you lose games, you lose series, there's always something uh, that you can learn from it. And for, for us, it was, you know, we're missing a couple pieces still. We, as good as we thought we were, we were missing a couple pieces. Um, we had some guys injured. That's not an excuse. That's reality. There's a lot of guys that get hurt that time of year, but you know, it is a war of attrition at that time. So some of our big guys were down, but the, Newfoundland was just had the ability to score big goals at big times. And we didn't have that, you know, in my opinion, we didn't have that goal score that when he touches the puck, it's an opportunity to go in the net every single time. You know, in 14-15, we had a guy by the name of Martin Furk who's got the hardest shot in, in all of pro hockey. And when he touched the puck, 
you know, goalies are like, oh boy, yeah. it's coming. <laughs> were the um, were the goalies like, oh boy, or the defense and forwards are trying to block the shot? The party like the red seat gone. See ya. <laughs> we're out of here. Um, well, remember, uh, Alex Nadelkovich told us he faced him in the All Star game, right? And he closed his eye. Yeah. He said he kind of did this and tried to make himself small. Yeah. So we, we had the guy like that. We didn't have a guy like that in, in 2019. So the following year, we went out and got Josh Kessner, who played for Newfoundland. Uh, was ECHL MVP that year. And then recently now we've got Brandon Hawkins. Uh, when he touches the puck, he has the ability to score all the time. So just tinkering uh, with lineup, uh, with roster, uh, and, and having guys that uh, are an offensive threat every time they're on the ice. So COVID hits in 2019-2020. Season's halted before the playoffs, and Toledo ownership opts out of the 2021 season entirely. Did you guys, did the organization have to f- help in finding guys places to play? We did that. Uh, as soon as I knew and the organization knew we were not going to play, that was job number one. It was to make sure that these guys who held on, who were loyal, who didn't jump ship early or asked to leave early, uh, find them a spot to play. With only 13 teams playing, uh, I think there was only two guys on our entire roster that didn't find a place to play, and that was their choice. And- um, it, it was tough. But at the same time, I was happy that we were able to get, you know, get them to find places to play. It was tough, but it was rewarding at the same So it was anything, anything coming out of that season, that was it right there. So for all the guys that you, you, you and the organization helped move uh, to different locations, they came back as well the following season? Yes, the way it worked is we had their rights uh, when they came back. So instead of losing everybody, now the teams that didn't play, um, you know, we didn't have anyone. We actually kept everybody's rights. So now it was – what kind of year do they have? Or now are they going to Europe? Are they looking to, to sign American League deals? How many guys are we going to get back? So that, that was a lot of question marks during that COVID time. Oh, I'm sure. So this year you had the best record in the league. We mentioned the, uh, the 2019 Cup playoffs. Um, Cincinnati had the best record in the league. You guys knocked them out. So you guys had the best record this year. You're playing Cincinnati. And uh, you find yourself down three games to two, coming back home. Um, and all, let's get Alden in here. What was the feeling on the Boston in the room after you went down three to two in that series? Were there some veteran players that spoke up at that point? Yeah, there was. You know, we had guys in that locker room that that spoke up. Uh, you know, I specifically remember when we were sitting there, uh, Hensick and, and Johnny Albert were, uh, you know, filling in and just kind of relaying to the team that nothing was over yet. Um, obviously, we hadn't played our game to to where we wanted to, and we knew that uh, going back home, that was something we were going to have to do. And I think the guys did a great job holding each other accountable to, to bring their best. And, you know, we were confident in the guys to do that, that we would be successful. And, Dan, is it harder or easier to decide who to put out on the ice in key situations when your season's on the line? At that point of the year, do you know who you want out there? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think with our team, we were so deep. Uh, you, you couldn't go wrong, to be honest with you. You trust everybody at that point in time. And, and during the regular season, uh, you know, can ask Alden and, and some of the guys. I'm not a big matchup guy. I think everyone's got to learn and they got to go through things. And maybe there's going to be failure. But some of your young guys have to get out there last minute of a game. Some of our older guys have to take a step back and watch. Um, and so for, for us, as long as you get the right centerman, hopefully you win the draw, you know, that that's going to be key and crucial as we found out in, uh, in game four of the playoffs this year. Um, that, that's the biggest thing for me, the right goaltender, the right centerman in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you, t- you talked earlier, uh, about nobody's hundred percent in June, right? So, you know, I, I'll, you know, both you guys can and, and jump in on this. Can you talk to us about how you manage those injuries and decide the processing of, you know, 
is a guy 70% better than a guy who's 90%? Like, I mean, can you talk to our audience and about how that goes, what the process is there? Yeah, I, the, for me and our staff, I think the biggest thing is making sure everybody has a role. So if that guy is 70% on a penalty kill, uh, if it's a centerman or a winger, have the ability to get pucks out of their zone, great defensively, is better than someone at 90% who's maybe a goal scorer, but we have enough of that. I'll take the 70% guy because the worst, the biggest thing you don't want is a guy sitting on the bench all game long, then he, he's got to be called, and now you're expecting him to be at his best. So it's all about roles. Everyone has to have a role, uh, accept the role, do the best they can. So that, that's kind of how we we roll along with, with injuries. Now, do you listen? Like, obviously, you got a medical staff that you have to listen to with that. Sometimes. It's playoffs. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're fortunate. We're fortunate. Don't interrupt me, Dan, when I'm trying to talk. <laughs> yeah, team doctors uh, travel with us on the road. A lot of teams don't do that. Okay. And obviously, Brad Frederick is also our, our trainer. And I'm telling you right now, it's those guys are critical. You have to listen to them because you don't, what you don't want are maybe a guy plays a game five. And now he's out for six, seven because he injured something even more. So you do have to take all that into consideration, one hundred percent. It's it's a, it's a puzzle, and you got to try and do your best to put that puzzle together. Well, I think the world saw that uh, in Tampa Bay. Oh, they tried to play a guy, I think, a little bit too early. You do because they want to win, and guys, I think hockey players are extremely competitive. Sure. They don't ever want to sit out, especially. Stanley Cup final, Kelly Cup final, Calder Cup final, doesn't matter. If you're playing for a championship, you want to be a part yeah. of it, and you want to be on the ice. So uh, I know we'll move on, but how how is that? Do you have that conversation with the player if they can't go? Do they have – does the doctors – because they're, they're going to probably come to you and say, hey, Dan, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, you're a coach. There's not too many guys right. say I can't play. Sure. Um, so it is. It's a combination of the information they're giving our medical staff uh, they'll come and talk to me and then we kind of, we do it together okay. because it is, it's a group decision to be honest with you. And um, again, their whole side is they don't want to see a, an injury get worse. If it can get worse, we want the player in the lineup at the same time. You've got to juggle that act yeah. and we can kind of tag team up with that. It's tough. Has there ever been an incident where you're having that discussion with the docs and, and with the player and the docs kind of siding up like, Hey, look, this, this isn't a good, I don't think, I don't know. And a player just goes bananas and you just sit there going, huh, let these two work it out real quick. And then I'll make my decision. Most of them, you know what? Most of them, they want to play. It's like, freeze me, freeze me. So I don't feel it. I'll go play. <laughs> yeah. And then we'll be, what the players don't see is a long-term effect. They're yeah. like, well, I have all summer to recover and recuperate. What they don't understand is that's the opportunity for them to get better for next season too, is get in the weight room, um, you know, make sure they're stronger for next year. Well, if they're, you know, have to have a surgery because of this injury or they're out for a long period of time, they lose that. Um, I think most guys would say, I'll do that if I can win a championship. Sure. With that said, it's the medical staff there is is to look after long-term and what that looks like for their life, not just at the moment. Is it ever where the, the doc looks and goes, what do I know? I'm just a doctor. 100%. <laughs> I love it. There's too many WebMDs, you know, <laughs> self-diagnosis is what we look at now. It's I like, had an ingrown toenail and I thought I had to get out because I looked it up on WebMD. It's a hangnail. No, your ACL's hanging. So, Dan, are you essentially the GM as well as head coach? I know Neil Newcomb is the GM of the walleye, but is that like minor league baseball where the GM takes care of the business side? And who provides input on building? Your roster. Yeah, it's it's myself and and all in there on screen and uh, Brent Bain, our other assistant coach. Uh, we build a team together. 
Uh, Neil's definitely in for support in terms of anything the players need. Uh, he's going to try and get, help them out and, and get that for them. Uh, but ultimately, we are the hockey ops, uh, the coaching staff. We do everything together. It's not uh, myself picking the team. And I remember uh, last summer, it's, hey, Alden, Brent, here's three guys. Let's all look at video. Let's We got one spot. Let's choose the best guy. Um, and so it, it's back and forth, nonstop, phone calls, emails, text messages on, on everybody. Alden, was there ever a time when Dan sent you some players and you're like, what, what is he thinking here on this kid? Yeah. <laughs> And, 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 and I'm not trying to downplay a professional hockey player whatsoever, but has he ever, ever sent you anyone? You're like, what? Love, he's sitting here looking at his head coach. I'm sitting here looking at my head coach. I'll just answer the question. You're good. Well, I would, I'd say no, to be honest, because the bright side about, you know, Toledo is it's such a good organization that players want to come to that, you know, a lot of times if you are short guys or, you know, you need players, there's, uh, you know, guys that have just been released from other teams or there's been an injury to the American League team and, you know, guys are healing up. So they're getting sent back down. So there's always the option to, you know, find good players to, to come up, especially when you're in, you know, such an organization like Toledo, where there's a good fan base and people want to be there. Um, now, I will say and in Wadi's defense of what you're trying to, to say, he does usually throw out, you know, three or four players and we're trying to work together to figure out, you know, who we think's the best and going to fit into our spot where we, where we need him in our lineup. So do you find, you know, you've got the great building full all the time, great fans, winning tradition. Um, do you find, do you have to, are players aware of what's going on in Toledo before you reach out to them? you think at this level or do you have to do any selling at all or no i think everyone's aware of what happens um our office our front office staff they do an unbelievable job of marketing uh getting people inside that building once they're in there the atmosphere and just being part of something special and winning a lot of hockey games there at home uh you know the visiting team i think they get shocked and surprised at how loud it can get and even for a regular season game so there's a lot of times that uh, when I make a phone call to a player, a player calls me. If a player calls me, it's because they want to come to Toledo. If I'm making a phone call to a player, the first question is, let me tell you about the Huntington Center. And they stop me like, don't waste your time there. I've been there. Yeah. That's what it's all about. <laughs> um, and then it's just talk about how they get treated and, and all that other fun stuff. But I tell you what, that Huntington Center, it sells itself. And the fans do an unbelievable job of, of creating an atmosphere that players want to play in. So some of our listeners might not know that uh, the walleye is affiliated with the Red Wings. So obviously it's a more of a recruiting job because there is no draft in the East Coast Hockey League. Um, what's the biggest thing you rely, you rely on? Uh, you know, I want to kind of double back on that, like when talking to, uh, and, and does Detroit help you with players coming down or just in the, in the organization? Yeah, they do. I mean, uh, typically we could see anywhere from one to four uh, American League contracted players. Uh, sometimes it's an NHL contracted guy especially a young guy who's cutting his teeth. Maybe he's not playing a lot in Grand Rapids. They want to get him some ice time and uh, we'll definitely do our part to, to help in that development. That's what we're there for. Um, you know, and, and with that said, it's uh, we rely on a lot of things, former coaches, uh, former pay players, players are our best asset. When we try to recruit. Uh, they certainly are. And then uh, one secret and, and uh, talk to the trainers and equipment guys, right? They're, that's where they go hang out. And that's where they, spill all the beans and, and have the, the hard talks and uh, complain about things. If there is complaining to do that, those are the guys. And so we get, uh, you know, we always 
ask our trainers and equipment guys, hey, call call the teams they played for, see how they were inside the locker room. Were they any good? Were they bad apples? Like, are they needy? Are they easy going? Those are some of the behind the scenes stuff that we look at. Yeah. Alden, growing up in uh, Sylvania, playing for Northview, who are some of your teammates and coaches growing up, some of your favorite memories and your thoughts on how the youth hockey scene has evolved over the years in the state of Ohio? Well, I can tell you right now, I'm, I'm sitting at the youth rink, uh, Sylvania Tam right now. And uh, I help out with camps throughout the summer and the amount of kids that it grows each year and how much more, uh, you know, the youth age is turning from single A to double A to triple A just in this area is, uh, you know, awesome. It's great for the community. It's great for the walleye. But again, just, you know, with my own kids growing up, just seeing them loving the game and getting involved, uh, you know, it's special for sure. And, and we're going to touch on this as we go, but for our listeners who don't know, like you, you chose to do and take a route that was a little bit uh, non-traditional. Uh, you stayed all four years at Northview. Uh, then you went on and played uh, junior hockey, then to the college ranks and everything. And can you just give us a little bit of insight on how you made that decision? Because um, it's, it's, you know, most kids would leave their junior year, right? And go and play juniors. And, and why, would, why did you make that decision? Obviously it worked out for you, but uh, you know, we talked earlier about leaving to go to the OHL uh, at 16 years old, rising 16 might be, might be a little too young. Um, you know, can you talk to our listeners about your decision in your path? Yeah, for sure. So part, part of my decision uh, was out of my control. Uh, my parents had part of the say in it and uh, you know, they didn't, back then they didn't know the hockey world and how it all worked and, and, and moving away, but uh, they weren't going to let me uh, go anywhere. Um, until I graduated high school. Um, and for myself, I was told always, you know, work as hard as you can, focus on what you can control, the rest will take care of itself. Uh, so to make the decision then to, to just continue to play high school and play for all four years uh, and just work hard and do what I could was was what I did. And it worked out for the best of me. Obviously, uh, Coach Coop, Jim Cooper, he was a coach at Sylvania Northview for a long time. He was my coach. And uh, you know, hands out to him for doing everything he could to get me involved with the Ohio hockey and uh, that team Ohio, where they kind of put together a team for a showcase. Uh, and that's how I kind of got involved then with the junior stuff. And uh, a couple of the junior teams actually reached out to me. And the funny thing is, like I said, my parents didn't really know what was going on. They had no idea that, you know, juniors was you could take take a year or two off of school and you might have a chance to play college. They were like, no, you're going to college and you're getting your degree and that's that's what you're doing. So it took a little convincing to get them to allow me to play uh, junior hockey, but uh, thankfully they allowed me to do that. He stayed at Northview for four years to break all the records. That's, yeah. that's, what, he, that's what he said in the coach's office. Yeah. Did you, uh, uh, did you at any point like think about like you wanted to leave after your junior year? And if that was the case, like how, how were those conversations? How was that dinner table conversation? Yeah, it, they were tough at times, but at the same time, my two best friends uh, were big hockey players as well, uh, and they were on the high school team, and they were really pushing and, and hoping I would I would continue to play. Um, and then again, at, back this was a while this was this was a while ago, and uh, we didn't have a whole lot of hockey around, so you had to drive up to you know Detroit, whether it was Compuware or Caesars or Honey Baked or one of those teams to play. And, uh, you know, we were practicing late at night. And so I was driving up there, getting home, 
you know, close to midnight, you know, during the week from practices and then leaving, going to Toronto for every weekend. So I was missing a ton of stuff, you know, just the kids and, you know, the youth enjoy throughout high school. And uh, my dad just always told me, he said, just focus on what you control and work as hard as you can and things will fall into place. Just have a little bit of faith. How, how much, I hate to ask this question, I guess, but because it was such an unorthodox route from what you normally hear. How did that, knowing that you were going to go for four years, your parents wanted you to graduate from Northview. How important was it to you to just absolutely hammer down on getting to where you wanted to be? It was huge. It was, it was, I knew it was the only option. I mean, there wasn't too many people coming to watch the, the games or scout or any of that stuff. So, uh, you know, I did what a lot of players do and try and do at the pro level as well. But, you know, I put together emails and resumes and sent as much out as I could just to, you know, try and cross every path I could to give me an opportunity, um, which, which thankfully happened to work out. That's perfect. So you spent two years in Mahoning Valley in the North American League qualified for the Robertson cup both years there. How important was it to have high level junior hockey in the region as you look to advance your career and gain that uh, NCAA attention? I think it's huge. You know, it's at that point there where, you know, a lot of times now kids and youth are getting recruited at younger ages, but that's, you know, that's the top end guys, the the top, you know, 20 say players that are, are getting recruited at that level. And there's a lot more college teams and spaces open to fill than that. So just for the to continue to grow at that junior level, whether it's the USHL or the NAHL, whatever it is, is massive because the, the hockey world is such a small world. Once your name gets out there, you know, you, you want to be pushing and going as hard as you can so that there's all positive chatter between you and the staff. So you graduate from Northview, and then it was just three years later you find yourself playing uh, in the NCAA championship game. Uh, against Boston University there with Miami. Um, was that a little overwhelming uh, to find yourself on that huge stage just uh, so briefly removed from playing high school hockey in Ohio? A little bit, but at that point in the season, kind of like just like playoffs where now you kind of – it's just a different world. You're so dialed in and focused that, you know, regardless of being a freshman or, or a senior, junior, wherever, you know, the team's – like Waddy said earlier, when we were talking about the playoff roster, you kind of, you guys buy in. We had a great team this year and you know your role. So same thing back in college, you kind of know your role and what you're supposed to do. And as long as you're ready to compete and produce on your role, that's all you have to do. And uh, the next season, the Red Hawks went back to the, to the frozen four and 12 years later, how vivid is your memory of a double overtime goal to beat Michigan in the regional championship game? That's one I won't forget just because I don't have many of them. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, all jokes aside, you know, and to to think back on it even more with with how much, uh, you know, Fort Wayne being a rival and an opponent, it just happened to be in that building uh, where that big goal was scored. But, you know, just to be a young player still, only my sophomore year, getting the opportunity to play and then, uh, you know, throw a, throw a lucky shot on that on, on, on Sean Hunwick, who's an agent now uh, who we deal with, with players, but uh, just a great memory for sure to get us back into the Detroit frozen four. So you, you've got a unique, uh, like I said, the career path, but one of the things that, I mean, our listeners need to understand, you spent almost your entire career, whether it be high school, juniors, college, pro in the state of Ohio. 
right? You, you had a little bit of stint outside with uh, uh, Miami teammate and fellow Ohio and Carter Camper in, in Providence and then South Carolina. But, you know, how fortunate do you, you feel uh, that, that you were able to do that? It's unbelievable. It's hard to explain, especially for me being a huge, a huge family guy and, and, and close to my family. Being able to stay in the state and continue to play so close to home has allowed them to, you know, come to so many games and, and be there to support and be a part of it all has it's been an honor for sure and a blessing in that sense. I mean, not a lot of people get to do that. So to be able to do that and continue to do it is is phenomenal. So you transition from playing to coaching. Um, do you still do you still get the urge to to get out there? And, and I mean, I'm sure you, you get out there and practice and, and play with the guys while he's over here shaking his head. Yes. But like, how can you talk us through that transition for you? It, it was, it was tough. You know, part of it was, was okay in the sense that the year before I had blown my knee out and, and Waddy was thankful enough to allow me for games to, to be on the bench and kind of get a little bit of a feel for, uh, you know, how the coaching side works out. And, uh, and then with the last few years as well, he's, you know, each year there's been more and more opportunity and kind of things thrown at you to, to do and grow and develop and get better at. So, you know, like I said, it was unexpected a little bit at the start. And then obviously, you know, getting to fulfill, you know, dreams to, to stay in the game and learn and get better and, you know, try and, you know, one day maybe get to coach in, in Ohio as a head coach. Uh-oh. Coach in Ohio as a head coach. Uh oh, Dan. Coming after. Me. <laughs> um, Dan, I, I just want to I want to bring it back to you real quick. Um, first of all, you know, I want to thank you for coming in. We want to thank you for coming in. Um, we know it's it's difficult to talk so recently after a loss, especially a loss like uh, of that. So we do appreciate it. We understand that. Can you talk us through um, the playoffs this year? Just oh, like. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's an emotional roller coaster. I don't care if it's high school, if it's college, if it's pros. You know, you and I have talked off air yep. quite a bit about this. So, you know, just talk us a little bit about this run. Um, and, you know, when when Scott and, and Love and I talked about bringing you on, I, I, I think we talked about, well, we should probably be sensitive with it. You know, it's, it's two weeks or three weeks later. And, and so you, you're so gracious. We appreciate you coming on here. But talk to the, our, our listeners about that playoff run. Yeah. I mean, it starts the, the play gearing up for playoffs. The minute you get that X uh, beside your name, it, it's that's kind of when it starts for us is you're looking at the playoff roster. There's so many limitations that people probably don't understand. You have 24 guys. Uh, there's a there's a list if they're in the American League, but they're eligible. So now you have to cut some of your own guys. So it starts right from there. And and we we're fortunate enough to, to have the exact amount of players to, to play that round one. Uh, we had some guys in Grand Rapids, a guy in Providence, a guy in Hershey that we were waiting to come back. They all wanted to come back. Uh, so tough conversations at the end of the year, just to even get the playoffs started. Uh, round one against Cincy, they were a bear. They really were. They, they played hard. They were physical. Uh, They're always at the net. They defended their net. Uh, and I, I, I hate to say it, but I think our guys, because we kind of rolled through the regular season at 49 and 19, I think they thought it was going to be easy. And they kind of slapped us in the face like, hey, this is not going to be easy. So we got down 3-2 coming home. We knew that game. We had to play our best game. And we did. Game six, I think it was 3 nothing. It was it was a huge game for us. Uh, that gave us momentum. Uh, Michael Hauser getting called up to Rochester. That doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt at all. <laughs> we had him on. You know? We had him on that we during during the season or during the uh, series during the series. I think he got called up to game four and yeah. five. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was yeah. game seven he missed. 
Um, <clears throat> again, you, you get confidence. So when you see a really good goaltender, a really good player, whether it's an injury out of the lineup, a uh, call up out of the lineup, which can happen, you know, it, it does give your guys confidence. And we, we played really well game seven though. There's no, no doubt about it. We we're going to win that one. Wheeling, we struggled with them in the regular season. I think we're, they were the only team we finished in our, in our division, uh, 500 or below. And so getting to that series, uh, there was some talk that, uh, they felt we were soft. They felt that, uh, they were going to have the ability to dominate us physically and we swept them. Yeah, it wasn't was even close. Not, no, it wasn't. And I, you know, it's one of those things that little bulletin board material there. I told the guys before the series, here's what they're saying. Now we've got to prove them wrong. You know, they don't, they don't see us as the best team. They think they're better than us. Let's go, let's go prove them wrong. And we did. Um, Utah gave us trouble off the start. They were extremely fast, very skilled. Um, you know, they, they took game one from us in overtime. Uh, Charles Dastu, who the defenseman who was scoring goals left and right, beat us on a power play goal that I think Alden, you probably showed 15 times in a pre-scout to our guys. Don't let this shot beat us. It beats us in overtime. Oh, so geez. it's like, here we go. Uh, backs up against the wall. You don't want to lose the first two at home. Um, so we beat them the next game. Then we go to Utah. Uh, we beat them game three to go up 2-1. And game four is probably the one you look back and you're like, okay, this is the, we got a special team. Down 4 nothing in the first period. Um, you know, and they just dominated us right from the start of the puck, right to the, the you know, the horn at the end of the first. So the, in between periods, it was like, you know what? We're down four. This isn't great, but they gave us too much time to come back. So, so what did you say to the guys? You know, it's easy for a coach at that time to go in and just yell and scream and try to motivate that way. But you put it back to me, you put it back on the guys in that situation. You disappoint each other, like go out there and play for each other. This is a team sport. And again, we, we knew we could score goals and we knew Billy Christopoulos after periods like that, he's usually lights out after that. So um, again, the messers, they gave us too much time. Let's chip away. You can't score four goals in one shot. Right. So it's, let's get one. Once we get one, let's work for two. We got two in the second, two in the third, and then a big overtime goal. And we knew I, I it hurts because I, we went through in game four in Florida, losing an overtime like that um, and, and a comeback. So we knew in game five, just get off to a good start. You know, they're going to come out hot. You know, they're going to be pushing for a win. Get off to a good start and, and we'll be able to go from there. And we did. It was 5-1, I think, the final. So um, Florida is a team we hadn't played before. I uh, never saw them once during the regular season. So you're trying to get as much information as you possibly can, but their goaltender was excellent. excellent. They defended the middle ice extremely well and extremely opportunistic. If you made a mistake, they're going to make you pay for it. Uh, and they did that all series long. And, and you know, to, to say, uh, sitting here to say that it could have been different, it could have been, we didn't make it different. They, they seized the opportunities, the moments they needed to, and we didn't do that. They scored a late goal in game one. We're up, uh, you know, one goal lead going to the third period. Usually we're lights out and we lost, you know, and so there's a little chink in the armor there. Game two, we, we were flat. They came out, beat us three to one. They should have won that game for sure. Uh, we went, go there, win game three. So now we're feeling good about ourselves. We were great on the road. We get into game four. We're playing really good. Again, one goal lead. We score a late power play goal, one goal lead face off in our zone after an icing. We got the right guys on the ice with 30 seconds left. They score with 20 seconds left to tie it. And they get a you know goal in overtime. So yeah. just opportunistic. Uh, and then game five, what seemed like we score one, they score two. We score one, they score two in that first period. And we just couldn't, we just couldn't battle back. The guys, I, I still give our guys a ton of credit though. They battled all the way to the end. Whatever was left, they gave. 
and we fell short and that's, that's what it is. And so there's definitely lessons to learn uh, from this run. Like we did last one, it took us three times uh, for the Western conference championship. So let's hope number three is the, you know, the good one on yeah. the final side. Yeah. Well, again, like I said, I appreciate you coming yeah. in talking about the great season. Nothing to hang anybody's head about. Great season. You said the guys fought to the end. And uh, Alden, thanks for coming in. I appreciate your time, too, talking about uh, your journey in hockey and and obviously uh, trying to take uh, Wadi's job here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having myself. I appreciate that. That's head coach of the Toledo Walleye, Dan Watson, and assistant coach Alden Hirschfeld from the Toledo Walleye. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you much. Well, yeah. One last thing, you know, uh, Coach Watson is actually in our neck of the woods, lives in our neck of the woods, coaches the walleye out there in Toledo. Gas is five bucks a gallon right now. So cross-promotional opportunity for next season. We go up to a game, we carpool, we do the <laughs> podcast on the way up. Carpool karaoke. And, and, yeah. and we, we all kick in for, for gas money. I like it. Hey, you guys are more welcome to shadow us, to come and see what we do and then hang out for the day, game day, practice day. Whatever it is. And I will say Dan's offered that to me the last two years. And, and this role I have at the school as the dean just just overtakes my time. But he's been very gracious with that offer. And uh, I think now that I might have a little bit of extra time off my hands, we might have to go up, do some shadowing and then maybe do a, a podcast. Absolutely. Right in the locker room. Beautiful. Hey, I'll just follow up because I've talked to Dan about what he wants on his hour drive. It sure as hell isn't the three of us sitting back there cackling like the won't even know her there. I, yeah, well, even know. <laughs> I leave early. You guys might just be sleeping. <laughs> so thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining us for another great show. We will be on next. We will be off next week. It's already the fourth of July. Holy smokes! We'll be off next week for the fourth of July holiday, and we'll return the following week. Check out OhioHockeyDigest.com for episodes, archives, and a list of upcoming guests. Continue to grow the game the best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.